Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to Get Your Goat. Uh, today, I'm going to be previewing the divisional round of the playoffs, where I believe we'll have some more exciting and eventful playoff games this week, and I'm going to preview them all, give you my game picks, what I am looking for in every matchup. Then, I'm going to react to Russell Westbrook benching and really just a multitude of issues for the Los Angeles Lakers preview of the Bulls and Bucks tonight. And then I'm going to get into Sidney Crosby, of course, my favorite hockey player of all time, and why he doesn't get the level of respect other stars do in their respective leagues and even his own league. So I'm going to get into all that, but to start off, Dak Prescott was fined $25,000 for what he said about the refs and, you know, the comment, you know, about, you know, good for them, credit to them uh, for what they did. And then Dak kind of made a half-hearted, forced apology, you know, on Twitter to say, you know, he regrets the comments that he made and he respects the officials and it was a mistake on his behalf. Well, you know, he's a finalist for the NFL's Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Um, to me, that disqualifies him from accepting that award or receiving that award. But no, I think it was a good find. I mean, it was not right, even in the moment, for Dak Prescott to be upset with the officiating. You can't blame the officiating for pre-snap penalties. You can't do that. You can't blame the offici- uh, officiating for your a poor play, You're not being able to read uh, the defense and only giving it to CeeDee Lamb one time when he's in single coverage all game. That's not the officiating's fault. It's not the officiating's fault that you had three quarters of bad play and you had to try to make a comeback with a fourth uh, quarter craziness. It's not the officiating's fault uh, that you ran a quarterback draw and you didn't slide a second or two earlier to you know have ample time to clock it down. No, you wanted five extra yards. Is that all on the officials? No, that was weak leadership by Dak to try to deflect the blame to the officials in that match or in that game. Because as all the great coaches say, it's, hey, you know, we want to put ourselves in a position to where we don't have to rely on the officials to win or lose a game. And that's something, you know, I want from every team, at least, that I root for, that I see is, hey, we want to win this game uh, fair and square. And most of the way you do that from domination, you know, if the 49ers, Jimmy G wouldn't have thrown that interception and they would have marched down the field and they would have scored, we wouldn't be having this conversation at all about the rest. So, again, you know, play the game and do not leave it in the officials' hands, and that's exactly what the Cowboys did. And sometimes you'll get the benefit of the doubt, and sometimes you won't. But there, you were clearly in the wrong. Which begs the question now, should Mike McCarthy be fired? Yes, I think Mike McCarthy should be fired. He deserves to be fired after his press conference, you know, stating that I am a winner. You know what? I Nobody needs to hear that you are a winner. Nobody needs to hear that. Why? Because they know. They look at your record and just, you know, turning a blind eye, you can say, he has 237 wins and 143 losses. That's a winning percentage. That's, you know, 0. 0.608 uh, right there. It's a 60% winning percentage. I've won a Super Bowl. You know, 618 winning percentage in Green Bay, two years in Dallas. Hey, I have a winning percentage. Yes, yeah, 6-10 wasn't good last year, but this year, hey, I turned it around and we won the division. Now, 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 this is where... You need to know. And I've said this on multiple occasions. He couldn't win with Aaron Rodgers. He won one time with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, 
2010 year, they went 2-10-6. and, 10 and six. The following year, they were one of the best teams in the league, 15-1. and one, And they lost in the divisional round to the New York Giants. And never since then, he's just been an all-right coach. 11-5, and 8-7-1. He had a stretch there, you know, 12-4, and 10-6, 10-6, and six, but really couldn't do anything. Then, 7-9, and 4-7-1, and 6-10. I mean, there's a reason why you were fired from the Green Bay Packers. There was a reason why you were fired. Because with Aaron Rodgers, you had losing seasons. And I know Aaron Rodgers was injured. Uh, some of those seasons, he wasn't always the healthiest guy, but still, losing records, playoff failures, some of that is on you. So yes, do I think you're the best coach? No, not at all. Do I think you deserve a job in the NFL? Yeah, coordinators and things like that, but as a head coach, when I see what LaFleur is doing with Aaron Rodgers, and I feel like Aaron Rodgers is playing a lot better now than he did at the end of kind of Mike McCarthy's end there. But now you're with Dak, who's another strong quarterback, and you still can't win playoff games. A lot of the time, the blame goes on you. Now, should he be fired? I think so, uh, until he proves himself that, you know, hey, I can win playoff games and win meaningful things other than the NFC East. Because let me tell you, the NFC East winning that division to me, should be a a half-banner award. To me, it doesn't carry as much weight as winning the NFC West or the AFC North or divisions like that. It's like, really? The NFC East, the weakest division that has been for quite some time now in the NFL, winning that award, to me, I scoff at that. So, Mike McCarthy, I think he should be gone. Will he be gone? No, I believe Jerry Jones likes him, likes him a lot because he's uh, not, you know, other than some of the controversial play calls or lack of play calls and decision making on the field, off the field he doesn't say or do anything of any importance or of any controversy. So he's kind of a perfect guy to just, you know, sit up there and deflect. But now moving on, you know, from... The whole Mike McCarthy scenario. I'm not even a Cowboys fan. Now moving on to the divisional round. Tomorrow, Bengals and Titans. And guess what? Guess what news came out today? Yes, yes, yes. Derrick Henry. King Henry is expected to start tomorrow versus Cincinnati. First time we'll have seen him. Since week 8, where he was leading the NFL in rushing yards at that time, got injured week 8, and still finished in, you know, the top 6 or 7 in rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, and he didn't play half a year. Half a year. He was on record pace, record-breaking pace. Unfortunately, he got injured. Now he's rested. He's healthy. He is ready to go, and all they have to do is win three playoff games. You win a Super Bowl. You win two to get to a Super Bowl, and they play the Bengals this weekend. And Mike Vrabel, to me, coach of the year, number one seed in the AFC. And this is a team. This is a team that a lot of people said, "Hey, this offense is all Derrick Henry." Without Derrick Henry, this team can't do anything. They're not a good team. And here they are at 12-5 and five and number one in the AFC with their first round bye. Now they're coming back. And now they face the Cincinnati Bengals. And I like the Titans in this game. I like the Titans a lot in this game because of their record against good teams. I feel against good teams... They go out and show themselves, but against, you know, poor teams, they kind of play down to the competition a little bit. That's why you have a surprise loss to the Jets and the Texans. But then when you say, hey, you know, the Seahawks, we ran all over them. The Colts, we did twice. The Chiefs, we shut them down. The Bills ran all over them. 
the Saints beat them. The Rams, hey, no Derrick Henry and SoFi, and we kind of shut them down. So this is a team I have ultimate faith and confidence in, in Mike Vrabel, in Derrick Henry coming back as the X-Factor. And to me, in this game, I don't see him needing uh, to go for you know 200 yards to win this game. Maybe not even 100. You know, you look at some of those games where, you know, they beat the Chiefs. He didn't rush for 100 yards. Didn't have his best game. I don't think he needs his best game. I just think they need him to get acclimated. And I think it's great uh, as well to just to have him in there. It's going to force Cincinnati to uh, crowd the box, put eight defenders in there, sometimes nine. That opens up a play action. Then you'll get single coverage, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and I think Tennessee wins this game. They have the offensive firepower. And defensively, Kevin Byard, one of the best safeties in the NFL. But double coverage, I think they're in a double cover. Uh, Jamar Chase, have Kevin Byard kind of choke down on him a little bit uh, and follow him on routes on those side of the fields. So no, I like Tennessee to win this game. I like what Ryan Tannehill can do as a game manager. And I think Cincinnati has had a tremendous year. Uh, I have loved watching Cincinnati this year with Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, the receiving core of Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. It's been fun to watch. It's been electric. But I think it comes to an end. I think they put up a hard fight. But Mike Vrabel, uh, off a bye uh, like this, I think he's 8-0 and or something ridiculous like that, you know, covering the spread against good playoff teams this year. He's just been tremendous. Uh, he really has this whole team, his bot in. So I like the Titans in this game. I expect a spirited fight from Cincinnati, but can their rush defense manage and hold up against Derrick Henry? Can they handle the play-action shots? It's great that Trey Hendrickson, you know, star defensive end for Cincinnati, is cleared and can play this game. But I don't think it will mean that much in the end. Tennessee uh, comes out with a big win. And they move to the AFC Championship game. I'm riding with the Titans. Then Saturday night, you have San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers. Look at that. This has been kind of, to me, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay, they don't have a lot of rivalries, I I would think, in kind of their own uh, division or conference. You know, to me, the Vikings would be the biggest one. The Lions and Bears really haven't been competition. So the Vikings with Mike Zimmer, I'll give them that, but he's no longer there, so I'm going to say that rivalry right now might be coming to an end, you know, Midway through his career, uh, you know, years ago, you kind of had the Seahawks. They were in NFC Championship games and kind of open, and they've kind of been spirited. But I think over the tenure of Aaron Rodgers here at Green Bay, I think the 49ers have been their biggest rival. Uh, They have lost to them a couple times in playoff matchups. Most recently, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, these two same squads... Met in the NFC Championship game in Santa Clara. And Raheem Mostert ran all over Green Bay. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo attempted like nine passes. Ran all over the Green Bay Packers. Who else ran all over the Green Bay Packers? Cold, snowy, single-digit game in Lambeau Field. Colin Kaepernick ran all over them. Then they opened up a year the following year and the 49ers beat them. 49ers have kind of had Green Bay's number. A lot. Kyle Shanahan, I like his game plans a lot. And I think this game plan here, I know Aaron Rodgers says, you know, we need a cold Lambeau game. Uh, we fortunately, we you know, he won at home field advantage last year. But then afterwards when they lost the championship game, you know, we didn't have any of that typical good Lambeau weather. How many excuses are you going to make? For not winning a championship game or winning playoff games. How many excuses 
can you fabricate? What's next? This is supposed to be a single-digit chilling game. What if you lose this game? What's the excuse? It was a night game? I mean, please, stop with the excuses, shut up, go out there, and play some football. Uh, because everybody touts you as such a talented quarterback. Oh, top five, the things he can do. More talented than Brady, but Brady's better? That makes no sense. I don't want to hear it. I want San Francisco to go in there and shut up all those Green Bay Packer fans. That's what I want. I want a sad, you know, cycle of Green Bay where it is uh, bad offseason choices, slow start to the season, Aaron Rodgers MVP handed it, losing the playoff cycle starts again. And we're just nearing that losing the playoffs cycle. And guess what? Kyle Shanahan's got the better of you before in the playoffs. I think he gets the better of you again. And this is kind of a game I look at earlier in the season. And last year, I said I said the same thing uh, when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat Green Bay. You know, in the regular season, Tampa Bay slaughtered Green Bay. Wasn't even close, annihilated them. They meet in the playoffs. The Bucks win again. And it was looking like a blowout from halftime. It, it became close, but the Buccaneers still win. And I still think regular season games that teams have played, it can be telling in a playoff game. So I look at that game in which Jimmy Garoppolo was efficient, but through one bad interception that kind of cost them the game. Everyone else was great. George Kittle uh, was good. Uh, but I'll tell you another something that they didn't have going for them, which they have going for them now. Actually, two things. One, and to me this is the biggest one, Elijah Mitchell did not play in that game. Trey Sermon uh, was the one uh, to kind of be there and was their main running back. So I think that's big, that Elijah Mitchell's here, who's kind of carry the rock, was good last week against the Cowboys, great against uh, the Rams a few times. I think having him carry the ball, that's very big. Uh, that's something that I think the 49ers are going to do a lot, run the football and help Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance out a lot. Another thing, this was week three. Debo Samuel has come a long way since week three. Week three, he only had five catches that game. I expect a big day from Debo Samuel. I really do. And the way they've now incorporated him also is kind of a running back as well, kind of running back too. It's been tremendous to watch. It opens up this game plan even more for Kyle Shanahan, uh, the way uh, they are doing things. So with that being said, Whoever's quarterback is going to be a game manager because it's cold. I know Aaron Rodgers is touting the Lambeau cold and how cold it gets here. You tout that, but Kyle Shanahan has a system and game plan in place to beat that. And I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to throw the ball a lot. I think maybe on some obvious downs or open up some play action, some misdirection. But I think this is going to be a big Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel night in the backfield. And it's going to come down to tackling. I think San Francisco, you know, jumps out to a lead, scares Green Bay, and they hold on and win the game. I like the 49ers to upset the Green Bay Packers with the running game and with the defense. This is a defense that can get to Rodgers with four guys and not blitz. Nick Bosa is expected to be cleared, which is huge. Uh, for them, then you've got Key and Hurst, Armstead, all those guys. Fred Warner, if a linebacker position, very steady. So you have a weakest part of that defense, the secondary, for Aaron Rodgers to pick apart. But it's a colder night. Conditions are harsher, so you might run the ball a little more. Uh, ball won't go as far either, which helps the cornerbacks out, safeties out. So this is great for the 49ers, and I think they can go into Lambeau. And pull off the upset. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, to me, is a better coach than Matt LaFleur. He's going to have the troops ready. Uh, Defensively, I don't trust Green Bay's defense. They were stout early on in the season. Then the second half, they kind of really showed their true colors and kind of just became the average defense. You know, 
which has been better than Packers defenses in the past where they've been bottom of the league. But, you know, this will be one. If Aaron Rodgers loses this game, how does this affect his legacy? Yet another playoff loss. The first round by you wanted in that cold and you lose this game. I think the 49ers are built to beat the Green Bay Packers. I think there will be quite a lot of people that are in shock tomorrow. A lot of Green Bay Packers fans going home sad and distraught. I like the 49ers to win this game. Then Sunday, you have the Los Angeles Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Another rematch game. And then I said rematches are telling. Uh, You know, Green Bay lost that one that I just talked about, you know, by two points. Or Green Bay won that one by two points. But a lot of things have changed. This one, you know, played out in two different things, you know, happened in this one. This one that the game is played tomorrow is in Tampa. The one before was in Los Angeles early in the season. Same thing. Week three. Tom Brady was great, 432 yards a touchdown. However, they couldn't get the running game going uh, that game at all uh, with Leonard Fournette. Tom Brady was the leading rusher. So this is what I see that's different from a game that played out. And the Rams kind of dominated and they won uh, uh, 34-24. There are a couple big things I look at that are differences here. Two of them, or, yeah, two of them. One is that game, Deshaun Jackson had three receptions, 120 yards, and a touchdown. One of them was a crazy 75-yarder. He's no longer on this team. He's kind of their deep threat to blow the top off. They no longer have that. So, can't worry about him now getting past Antoine Winfield or Whitehead. You don't got to worry about that. That's how you can beat them, you know, that was kind of a Tyreek thing last year in the regular season, how they were beat, and Tampa Bay wasn't prepared for it. Who else do they not have? They don't have Robert Woods. That was a key guy earlier in this year. So you lost to Sean Jackson. You lost Robert Woods. You brought in OBJ, and I think you've got him acquitted a lot, and that's been great. But one thing I love about Tom Brady, this is a revenge game, revenge game for the team, Mike Evans, said the rematch, this is what we wanted, now it's in our place. Uh, I think this is great for the Bucks that it is at home, that Matt Stafford will be running a silent count. I still don't trust Matt Stafford in big games. This is the biggest game of his life. This is the first time he's ever made it to the divisional round. He was 0-3 in playoff games before last week. Now he's 1-3. How he's going to fare? This Tampa Bay defense is getting healthier. Shaq Barrett looked great last week. JPP was able to get off the edge a little bit. Vita Vea's just a monster inside. Levante David, Devin White, the combo, when they're both playing together, they look great, whereas when just one of them playing, they kind of look not as great as they usually do. And then the secondary. They're healthy. Carlton Davis, uh, Murphy Bunting, Dean, Antoine Winfield played spectacular last week. His defense is healthy. Where we saw it last year kind of peak in the playoffs. And where did it peak? It wasn't against the football team because Taylor Heineke gave him some some fits. When was it? Divisional round, big game against the Saints, which they couldn't beat. They beat them. Same thing. The Rams, a team they've struggled with, lost to them earlier in the year. Lost to them last year on Monday Night Football. I'm seeing some parallels. Now they play them in a big spot, divisional round. I think Matt Stafford chokes this one away. I think this is a close, close game, but Matt Stafford chokes it away. I don't trust Matt Stafford at all to win this game. And I know Tristan Wirfs might be out, which is a loss, but if Tom Brady's getting the ball out of his hands out in two seconds, that's a that's a plus. There's Aaron Donald can't do anything about that. Von Miller, there's just nothing you can do about that if Mike Evans is you know uh, matched up against Jalen Ramsey I think Mike Evans uh, you know can win some of those matchups you know you force that matchup right there you still got Gronk Cameron Brake Tyler Johnson Scotty Miller Leonard Fournette will be back so there are so many pieces 
on this Tampa Bay offense. It's not just shutting down Gronk, you know, bracketing uh, or shutting down Mike Evans, bracketing Gronk. It's much more complex than that. I think Byron Leftwich will have an excellent game plan. Todd Bowles on the defensive side will have an excellent game plan. So for the Rams, it's going to be on Matt Stafford not making mistakes. It's going to be on them running the football. Cam Akers looked good last week, mixed in with some Sony Michelle. But this is a top-rushing defense. Tampa Bay has one of the best front sevens. I don't think you'll be able to run on them, and that's going to open up the place for Matt Stafford to throw some interceptions. I really do. I think you can get away with a one-on-one matchup with Cooper Cup and let him dominate you and kind of shut down the run, shut down OBJ and Tyler Higby, and you live with the Cooper Cup routes if you've got everything else uh, taken away because then it'll just force Matthew Stafford to make some bad throws. And then on defense, like I said, Tom Brady getting the ball out lightning fast. He'll make easy work of Aaron Donald and Von Miller. Aaron Donald saying some words about Tom Brady. Never the wisest thing to do uh, to hype somebody up. But I think Tampa Bay wins this game. It's close there. Matthew Stafford makes the big mistake. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win this game. Then Sunday night, kind of a high-profile rematch. Buffalo Bills in the Kansas City Chiefs. We all know what happened last year. Kansas City Chiefs beat the Bills. Tyreek Hill had a field day. However, Stephon Diggs watched that ceremony. Only one to stay around and say, hey, I want to be back here again, but this time it be us. Well, he gets his chance. It really isn't a championship game, so there's going to be no trophy presentation or anything. But you have a chance to slay the dragon. Kansas City has been the AFC dragon for quite some time now. And Buffalo has a chance to slay the dragon. Can they do it? Can they avenge last season's loss that they had? They did it in the regular season this year. And I'll give them props uh, because the Bills... You know, defensively, shut them down 38-20. to 20. Everybody, you know, at that point was calling the Kansas City Chiefs done, blasting their defense. Now they've turned it around. Now a lot of people are back on the Chiefs, but they say, hey, we kind of want to be right here, so maybe we'll pick Buffalo. And I think this, again, will be a close game. And that one was telling as well because... That game was in Kansas City. This one's in Kansas City. I think Kansas City will have a tough time with Buffalo. Uh, And it has a lot to do with the Buffalo secondary and the number one uh, kind of shutdown unit there, even without Tredavious White. Their safeties, uh, Poyer and Hyde, spectacular. They run the cover two maybe better than anyone else where they don't make Patrick Mahomes have the crazy throws, it's all underneath, and then the tackling as well. Uh, but the thing that the Bills did great, that first matchup, not only in the secondary, but getting to Patrick Mahomes with four guys. That's why they went out and drafted a defensive lineman with their first few picks, was to kind of rotate, get healthy there, and have people to rush Patrick Mahomes. That's the key, is to make him feel uncomfortable. Because when he's in a spot in a pocket, he'll dissect you. When he's forced to throw on a run as well, he'll dissect you. You're going to have to hit him, pressure him, get to him. And I would have more faith in the Chiefs if they had some resemblance of a good rushing attack. But they don't. Darryl, Damian Williams, Daryl Williams hasn't been good. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been injured. So the rushing game you know, has really been a very sore spot for this team. Whereas the Bills kind of at least have made some strides with Devin Singletary. There's a little bit more respectability where it has been, you know, in the past. But I think this is a shootout. I think this are two evenly matched teams. I think you have two great quarterbacks here, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. To me, you know, there's a lot of great quarterback matchups here. 
in the AFC. I think you have, you know, Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen, you know, but Patrick Mahomes versus Joe Burrows, kind of a new wave of quarterbacks, you know, coming in and, you know, the quarterback rivalries where, you know, the Tom Brady's, Peyton Manning's, Drew Brees' Aaron Rodgers, that era is slowly leaving, retiring Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, that era is gone. And you have this new wave of Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson uh, to kind of take it. So this, to me, is just a great quarterback matchup right here. If you want tremendous arm talent on display and decision-making with the football, this will be great. I think it will be a shootout as well. The first game was 38-20 to 20 Bills. I expect both of these teams to score over 30 points. Don't think this is a defensive struggle at all. But I think Kansas City has the experience. They've beaten Buffalo in the playoffs. And they get revenge for a loss earlier in the season. Maybe this is too much you know, revenge for me earlier in the season. As I'm now picking the 49ers to reverse their fortunes. The Bucks. And now the Chiefs, pretty unlikely all that happens. Again, that's what I'm picking. Uh, in hindsight now, that doesn't seem like the best. But that's what I'm going with. I'm going with the Chiefs in this game. Andy Reid, one of the best coaches. Eric Bieniemy as well. I'll take that staff over Sean McDermott and his staff and what they've got cooked up. The Kansas City Chiefs wreak havoc on the Bills. Poyer Hyde will be discussing embarrassment after this loss. Big win for the Kansas City Chiefs. They advance to the AFC Championship game and face what I think will be the Tennessee Titans in the championship game rematch of a few years ago. So, again, great divisional round games coming up uh, this weekend. I'm excited for it all. I hope you're as excited as I am. Now time to get into the NBA. Russell Westbrook was benched a few nights ago in the final minutes against the Pacers. Frank Vogel said that he did that. He put you know the lineup in that he thought he had the best chance to win. And I agree. Uh, Russell Westbrook has been terrible. Uh, he's been bad, uh, really bad, you know, and there's no way around it. Leads the league in turnovers. Uh, his shooting percentage is not good either, uh, for this team. I mean, there's not a lot I like about the Lakers at this moment, and I know people want to kind of put a lot out of a brain blame on Frank Vogel. I don't think that's deserved. But you're what Russell Westbrook, you're supposed to be a superstar player. You're averaging 18 points a game. That's not a superstar player. You're constantly missing layups as well. You know, turnovers, like I said, you lead the league in turnovers at around five per game. Uh, it's not good. It, it's poor. Uh, play by Russell Westbrook. It's sad that it's this poor. Uh, I feel like it's either happened very drastically or maybe it's just the severe spotlight of the LA Lakers and the aspirations they have where you really don't have any aspirations with the Washington Wizards even though you looked a lot better with Bradley Beal than you do with LeBron James. But Russell Westbrook uh, clearly past his prime where he is now missing layups. You're 4 of 6 from 3 of the other night, but you're 1 of 11 from inside the three-point line. It's it's pathetic is what it is. This iteration of the Lakers are not working. It's And it's crazy to think that two years ago, this is a team that won the NBA title. I know there's a lot of different parts uh, and a lot of players that are no longer on that team. But it's crazy to think where they were at that moment in time where everybody was playing great basketball. Anthony Davis was great. LeBron, I mean, it was seamless, number one seed. It was tremendous. 
and to see how far they've fallen where now LeBron's the only good player on that team where he could possibly win the scoring title. In his 19th year, he averages the second most points in the league at 28.8. Could definitely catch Kevin Durant uh, since he's not playing the next six weeks. But LeBron has been great. Everybody else on this team has spurts or isn't great. Wayne Ellington will have a spurt. Malik Monk. But people you can't or you're supposed to count on aren't showing up like LeBron. Russell Westbrook is not showing up. Anthony Davis, he can't show up because he's not healthy. So there is a lot of wrong for this Lakers. And another thing, too, is they got too old. I'm all for veterans and kind of having uh, key guys with experience. But when you get too old like the Lakers are, you just don't see it work. Uh, you have the Grizzlies, young, young team, John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks. They're young, they're athletic, they're good. The Chicago Bulls, Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, young and good. Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. They're young and they're good. Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell. Rudy Gobert, Jordan Clarkson, Young Good, Dallas, Luka Doncic. There's a theme here. Young, athletic, great players. Los Angeles Lakers are all old. Yes, they have one old superstar, second greatest player of all time. But defensively, he can no longer compensate on that end anymore. Where last year, they were the number one defensive team. This year... Their bottom half of the league, 25, 26, 27, uh, tight bad that they are. So the Lakers, I think their time has passed them up, and they go on these little winning streaks, and they were there. They were at 6th, 5th place in the Western Conference, and they get on this losing streak, and now they're in 8th place. I mean, it really is a tale of two stretches or hot and cold with this team. And that's just how they operate right now. And you just can't win games, win championships, when you expect to play like that. But last night, there was some NBA action on. The Mavericks were in control against the Phoenix Suns. They were in control leading after the first quarter, after the second quarter, after the third quarter, and they lose in the fourth quarter. I got outscored 35-19. to 19. Suns rally to win 109-101. Dueling 28 points games for Luka Doncic and Devin Booker. The Dallas Mavericks choked this game away at the end with turnovers. Uh, and, you know, not converting of air free throws, bad possessions, allowed for the Phoenix Suns to come back and win this game. You know, poor defense. I don't want to hear about Luka Doncic and, you know, the neck and offensively he looks good than on defense in the fourth quarter. Because defensively, the first three quarters, Luka was playing good. Uh, played a lot better than I've seen him play defense. Then in the fourth quarter, there's kind of a quit. And then you kind of see the quit in everyone else. When your star player isn't giving maximum effort and when you're missing shots, the team, it just reflects on the best player. Uh, And that's what happened in the fourth quarter. Luka Doncic slowly started to trail off. And this team slowly started to trail off. So the Mavericks need to do a better job. They were in position to win this game and to close this game out, and they just couldn't. They lost, and the Suns now, you know, are looking like they'll have the best record in the NBA. Uh, no doubt about that. Why do I say that? Well, also last night, the Warriors lost to the Pacers, and it's funny now, everybody talking about the Pacers beating the Lakers in. L.A., but the Pacers just beat Golden State in the Bay Area. 
What's up with that? Steph Steph Curry, 39 points defensively. Where are the Lakers at? Klay Thompson didn't make a shot from three last night. After Steph or after Clay has a great game, then he follows it up with this, and you lose to the Pacers. Your slide continues. Who knows if second place is even guaranteed for the Golden State Warriors anymore? And I think that would be detrimental for the Warriors is if they have to go on the road for four games against the Memphis Grizzlies because the Memphis Grizzlies have shown they're not afraid of the Warriors. They can go in and beat them. So to me, you might have Phoenix actually lock up the number one seed quicker than expected. But to me, you'll have a real battle between the two and the four, and it's kind of going to be based on matchup. Do we like the matchup against the Suns better, or do we think we can handle a Memphis or Golden State? To me, that's fascinating. That, to me, is what you should be playing for. Matchups and how kind of we would fare against this team and this team. And to me, that's things that great coaches do and they plan for. But Golden State, one of the best home teams, lose to the Pacers at home behind a great night behind Curry. Uh, They just could not do it defensively. They do look a little more lost without Draymond Green. Uh, That is something that this team has to shore up and shore up soon, uh, quicker uh, rather than later, and not continue uh, this sort of slide. But tonight, big-time matchup here between the Bulls and the Bucks. First-place team in the East going against the fourth-best team in the East. And I got to tell you, I like the Bucks in this game. There's just something about the Bucks in a big-time spot where they come out to play. Uh, Giannis comes out and is great. Chris Middleton, Grayson Allen will shoot lights out. There is just something about it when the Bucks play the Nets in prime time, or they just beat the Grizzlies or the Warriors. The Bucks show up, and credit to them, great for them. I think they show up again, and they beat the Bulls. I don't think the Bulls are ready yet. I don't think they're prime time yet. I think that's why they lose this game. I mean, hats off to Demar Derozan, Lonzo Ball. Levine, all of them, but with Levine kind of out, uh, Derek Jones has been out. I like the Bulls to, or the Bucks to kind of come into this game, uh, dominate them, uh, and I think they can definitely do that. Giannis has been sensational lately, gaining MVP steam yet again. There's still another half of the season to go, but Giannis, Giannis has been great. I expect another great performance. From him tonight and for the Bucks uh, to beat Chicago. Now I want to move on to some NHL. And this is something that kind of crossed my mind when we talk about great players. And today I'm going to bring up Sidney Crosby. Because to me, he's the greatest player of this sort of era, and he doesn't get enough respect. I'm sorry, I have to say it, but he just doesn't get enough respect. I don't know if it's now that he's later in his career that he doesn't get enough respect or what it is. Should he have made an all-star game this year? Yeah, I think he should get an all-star nod appearance every year uh, for how great that he is, but I say this about Sidney Crosby, and I love Sidney Crosby. To me, he's kind of like the LeBron James of the NBA. Uh, Aaron Rodgers of the NFL. You like him, you don't like him. I like Sidney Crosby, but why do I say that? Well, his name should be up there amongst the greats, even in this stage of his career where he's 34 years old and he doesn't have the respect. What do we say about LeBron James? Right now in year 19, how good he's playing? Well, we say he's a top five player. Could he have MVP consideration? Could he win a scoring title? Could he pass Kareem? He's won four championships. 
Uh, he's won MVP four times as well. He's just a great player. He's the second greatest basketball player of all time. If not, if you don't think he's top two, well, he's definitely top five. Some people have him as a GOAT. He's just been that good. You respect Michael Jordan and what others have done, Kobe Bryant, Magic Johnson, but he's always in that conversation, and he's been in that conversation for some time, and you continue to respect him and right now, year 19, even if there's great players out there, even if there is a uh, John Morant that's playing great, or Stephen Curry, or Kevin Durant, all those guys, it, it really doesn't matter because you just respect LeBron and his greatness. Even if Michael Jordan's your GOAT, whatever the case may be. NFL, you know, Tom Brady's a GOAT, but we respect Aaron Rodgers' career. You know, if you want to look past Joe Montana, uh, might be the second best player. Uh, Terry Bradshaw, Johnny Unitas, Roger Staubach, you have all those guys. Point I'm trying to make. Sidney Crosby, if you were to ask a league pundits, they probably wouldn't even place him as a top five player, which is crazy, because he doesn't get the respect he deserves. People right now are talking about Alex Ovechkin better than him. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Austin Matthews, uh, the guy's name I'm just escaped my mind now, uh, that plays uh, on the Avalanche. Uh, I forget his name, but, you know, Kucherov as well for the Lightning. So you have, uh, it's not Landeskog on there, uh, on the, what's it called, on the Colorado uh, Avalanche. It's McK- McKinnon. Is McKinnon. So you have all these guys that a lot of people would say are better than Sidney Crosby. Really, do I believe that? No, I don't believe that. I believe you have to respect Sidney Crosby uh, for what he's done in the league and kind of the numbers that he's put up. He's a three-time cup winner. Oh, Alex Ovechkin has won. The other guys that I've named, the McKinnon, the Austin Matthews, uh, all those other guys have zero. You know, Kucherov has two, uh, but Sidney Crosby has won the most. He's run two MVPs, two Rocket Richard trophies as scoring the most goals, uh, two Consumites like final MVPs. So he's been good. What else has he done? Well, every single year in the NHL, he has averaged over a point per game, I believe, is at 1.27, something like that, which is incredibly high and could be top five when he retires. What else? Well, in his sort of era, he's better than his peers. Uh, More points than Alex Ovechkin. You know, then the Joe Thorntons, the Ryan Getzlaws, the Kopitars, the Bergerons, better than all his peers. You know, when you look at him, where he's at right now, amongst the all-time greats, he's kind of right there in the top five. You've got Gretzky better, of course, Lemieux, Eiserman, Yager. But Crosby's right there. But now when you look at it, comparative era-adjusted sort of formulas and things, because I believe that this era is tougher to score on goalies, where back then you'd have no mass, you know, goalies would just stand up. It wasn't, you know, a great position to be in, and you get score on every single second. Sidney Crosby ranks three behind Gretzky and Lemieux. So... You've got Crosby, one of your best players, got snubbed from the All-Star game this season when he should be an All-Star candidate or All-Star game player every single year, and he doesn't get the respect he deserves within the hockey world. I don't think it should be an age thing when we're still respecting greatness from Tom Brady and LeBron. And Sidney Crosby's been great. He's played 27 games this year. He has a point in those 27 games. So yes, he's been good. He's been great this year. Uh, he'll continue to be great. He's also a great leader. Uh, defensively, he's good. I mean, this is a team, before people said, we don't know if they're really going to win anything or do anything in our division. Well, guess what? They're three points out of first place in their division. 
they win tonight, depending what happens in the other game, they could be one point away. One point away. So, this is a team led by Crosby that's resilient, and they still don't get the love that is deserved. He doesn't get the respect of other greats in their respective eras. And like I said, he's been better than Alex Ovechkin throughout his career. But we're all enamored with Alex Ovechkin. And can he beat uh, Wayne Gretzky's goal total? Kind of like LeBron catching Kareem's point total. When What do you want to measure at the end of the day? Do you want to measure just points and goals? Or do you want to measure championships, stats, and things like that instead of just focusing on one uh, facade-like thing that really doesn't measure, you know, true talent for every aspect of a game like Sidney Crosby puts on display. So that's my rant on that. I just want to finish with one thing. College basketball, like I said, it seems like upset night in after night out. This time Purdue fell victim to the upset Indiana, uh, beat them by 3.68-65 in a thriller. Now tonight, there's another big college basketball game on. Michigan State and Wisconsin, 14 versus 8. It's in Madison. I like Wisconsin to win this game. I like them defensively a lot. This has been a team that's always been stout defensively, but this one as well, they just don't allow you to get open looks or shots as well. They limit your rebounds. This is a good, you know, classic Wisconsin team, uh, and I think they beat Michigan State and they're kind of a real deal in the Big Ten. So, this has been Get Your Goat. Hope you all enjoy your weekend. And there's a lot of divisional playoffs and games. to. Oh, one more note. Actually, I'll end on this. Naomi Osaka got beat in the Australian Open. Couldn't make it past, I believe this was the third round. So, she's out, so no. Novak now, now no Osaka there. That takes a tennis hit. Crazy to see her out, but she won you know, the previous Australian Open uh, beating Serena Williams, but she is no longer there. Uh, just wanted to point that out. Now I'll leave you on that note. Hope, hope you have a good weekend, everybody. Bye.